I'm gonna take one, baby. All right, family, we are back with the Take One podcast after a little break, but we are happy to be back. And um, yeah, we are starting off with a bang. Uh, So we will be talking about the overturning of the Roe v. Wade decision. And so before I go any further, I just want to warn any parents, if you have any little ears around, we will be talking about some hard Subjects such as consent and things that can happen around uh, this decision. And so before I go any further, I just want you, you know, if you want to listen to this by yourself first before you include your children or if there's a discussion you want to have with your children before they listen to it, just want to give you a little time to hit pause. Um, One, two, three. Okay. (laughs) I'm assuming you've done that. All right. So, yes, we're going to be talking about abortion today. And just want to kind of set the stage of what this is and what it isn't, all right? So this is not a political debate, okay? We are not approaching this advocating for anybody's party or anything like that. On top of that, we are approaching this conversation with humility. We are not lawyers. We are not physicians. (laughs) Um, We do not have all the answers sway, okay? But what we are trying to do is to just further expand our biblical worldview and wrestle with this extremely nuanced topic of abortion. All right. A lot of preamble. Let me keep going. So, uh, Sergi, can you just share, like, what our hopes are for the result of this discussion? Yeah. um, Even as we, as a staff, you know, come together to have this conversation, like, We've been talking about this for weeks, it mm-hmm. seems like. You know, we've been praying about this even even growing in, in, in our own um, understanding and even thoughts towards this towards this conversation. And and what we want, our hopes for the conversation, is not for us to say this is the right party, really what you just already said, but, man, we really want our people to gain and for us all to grow um, to really have a biblical and and gospel centered and even grace um, filled Mm -hmm. perspective Mm -hmm. and approach as we um, you know think about this topic not to just say this is what I think or this is our these are my personal experience but really um, really how can we submit to God's word Mm -hmm. and his way and also how can we be courageous um, as the Bible calls us to so that's our hope for this conversation amen yeah and um, I know like since this is a nuanced topic sometimes we just jump in but I'm going to give you just a quick outline of what we're going to talk about so um, we're going to start just explaining where we were um, what we took in when we heard about the news um, and just give you a little idea of the perspectives that we're coming from because each of our perspectives I think is um, all of our perspectives are unique and different Um, and then we're also going to talk about just the theological framework around all of this so creation fall redemption we're going to talk about how theology informs our words the way we speak about this we're going to talk about how our theology can inform our advocacy and then give you guys some some resources so all right 
Before we get started and dig into this discussion, Richard, can you give us an encouragement as we go into this? Yeah, I mean, I think the scriptures, uh, well, I know the scriptures address the reality of um, who uh, who brings forth life, and um, and I think that is really the foundational aspect. Is it's it's really a matter of submitting to um, the God of creation. <laughs> and so as I go to um, Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist. David is um, speaking very clearly and very specifically about um, how God knows us and the foundation for God's knowledge of us as human beings and um, is really seen in verses 13 and following where he says, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, uh, my unformed substance, excuse me. In your book were written every one of them, uh, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Uh, and then just in the creation story, uh, the scriptures begin by telling us that God created man in his image. Mm -hmm. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Um, so the scriptures are clear where life comes from, uh, who the author of life is, and how uh, specifically God is um, involved in creating each human being in each life. Mm. All right, thank you, Richard. All right, so let's just start by kind of talking about what actually happened. This is going to be a very brief summary, um, and I am basically reading off of the New York Times. All right, so I'm not adding anything here. But okay, on June 24th, the United States Supreme Court overruled the landmark Roe v. Wade case. All right, this eliminated the constitutional right to abortion. Um, and so basically this decision, they were saying that it's not a constitutional right to an abortion and that that was a very like large reach of the court. What this does is it does not abolish the right to abortion, but it does leave it to the states. All right. So basically states have the freedom now to decide how they will deal with the topic of abortion. Um, what this has resulted in, um, there were certain states that already had what they called trigger laws in place to ban abortion as soon as this decision happened, all right? But then you have other states that are moving to protect the right to abortion. So for example, um, Texas has gone so far as to make it a felony to provide abortions, punishable up to life in prison. Um, it would lead to losing medical licenses, among other provisions. Kansas, on the other hand, actually voted to um, keep abortion as a right in their constitution. And so after this decision, basically there was an amendment that was proposed that would have removed the right to abortion, and Kansas decided not to add that amendment, all right, which is actually surprising because Kansas is a red state. All right, so with that 
brief, brief summary. Um, oh, and let me explain. The reason why we're not going into the intricacies in this episode is because we really want to be talking about how the grace and love of God can guide us in our discussions around this topic. So we may go into some more detailed nuances of the law in future episodes, but for this one, we really just want to start with the way we're thinking and talking about it. All right, so enough preamble. <laughs> so if we can just go around the table, what is your perspective on abortion? You can feel free to go into like how you grew up, what you heard when you were growing up talking around this um, topic, and then what was your initial response to learning about this this court decision? Yeah, whoever wants to go first. Hillary, we're gonna get kick us off here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank the you. newbie, she's throwing her Thank in the water. Thank you. All right. Um, so I grew up in the white conservative church where abortion was like the buzzword. It was the, we wouldn't call it a social justice issue, but it was the social justice issue in the white conservative church. Um, and I think our churches did a lot of good for young women, um, but it was also became very much a one issue. Um, if you did not vote for the candidate, that opposed abortion, there was something wrong with you. So it became very much a one-issue thing. So that's kind of how I grew up. Um, I think another thing that also alters my perspective a little bit is that I have two children. I have um, a preteen and a teenager, and sometimes I look at them and think, man, like they were a part of me at one point. Like I grew human beings, and um, that definitely weighs in on how um, how I will uh, respond and think about this issue. To be honest, my reaction, I was um, surprised at first because I think this has always been such a buzz, uh, such a big topic, such a big issue in the churches that I grew up in that I was kind of surprised that something actually happened. Um, I felt relief. I thought, well, maybe we can change something. And then I quickly became frustrated because it was so quickly, it became polarized. If you um, are glad about this decision, then you must be against every other thing, every other social justice issue, every other, you know, you don't care about these things. And if you're upset about this decision, then you're obviously not, I don't know. It, it became so polarized so quickly that I was just frustrated. Um, pretty quickly yeah. yeah yeah and for me um this is uh, richard uh, i grew up very in a very similar context it was a um, presbyterian reformed tradition and um all white um and very pro-life and yeah it was the issue mm -hmm. i mean that was the social justice issue and um, and I think what I want to say, what I'm really learning about this is that, you know, the Reformed tradition really emphasizes uh, sola scriptura. You know, the scripture is our authority. And yet, as I look back, as I've been doing life outside of the, that bubble, if you will, um, outside of the white bubble, <laughs> and uh, with those that have had different experiences, uh, what I've seen is that no one is sola scriptura driven by the scriptures alone. We are all making decisions based on um, our community. And yeah, the scriptures, absolutely. But the scriptures as 
seen and read through the eyes of our community and our our tradition and um, and so you know a big thing is, is we'll hear is we you know we had different experiences you know church experiences um, and I just think it's important that when we say in the white church there was one justice issue and it was abortion that to have that one issue to the exclusion of um, you know the oppression of our black brothers and sisters mm -hmm. you know um, and not standing up for the poor not um, you know fighting just as hard <laughs> for laws that are oppressing our brothers and sisters uh, in our own community is hugely inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, so we are not, when we talk about this, it's practically impossible for people not to hear a political agenda. But in reality, um, it is a biblical agenda <laughs> that we are pushing and what, where it lands politically, it lands. Um, and so I think it's really important that, that we make that case because, to be honest with you, when I heard the decision was overturned, there was a day when I would have been in the streets, you know, partying. Uh, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Uh, and yet I was shocked at the fact that it, I mean, I, it was a positive thing that I heard, but there was something in me that kind of sank because... I knew that, you know, so much energy has been put into this one issue. Mm -hmm. What if we had put just as much energy mm -hmm. in, into real pro-life, broad pro-life, justice mm -hmm. for the oppressed, fighting against systematic racism? I mean, that would be the victory in my mind. And two, it's not the state that, it's not the laws of the state that should govern us as Christians. It's the scriptures. And mm -hmm. so... What the state says about abortion, you know, it's important. But what's most important is what we as individual believers um, um, hold. So, so yes, I've been pro-life and am still pro-life, but I think my pro-life platform, my pro-life, I don't even call it a platform, uh, my pro-life stance has broadened and mm -hmm. deepened. So. Mm -hmm. That's good. So this uh, Artez, um, growing up for me, abortion was kind of viewed as a decision to pursue because of an inconvenient uh, mistake. Mm -hmm. Because you know a lot of my friends were sexually active, you know, at a, at a very young age, and as young teenagers, um, the thought of Generally, in, in, in my situation, the thought of raising a child at that age, it was almost as if your life was over. Mm -hmm. And so abortion was pursued as something to fix a mistake. Mm -hmm. And when I heard uh, the recent news, something in me, I was grateful. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there was this uproar, which I already hit into social media and folks outside of the church and inside of the church. Right. And it did force me to, to reevaluate, okay, yes, I'm celebrating um, this decision because of my stance. However, 
to your point too, Richard, I start to think, okay, what does pro-life really mean? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's much broader than what we made it out to be. And so I began to think about why there was so much, uh, there was so much frustration. Um, there was mixed emotions because I do believe some folks, there is an outcry of issues that aren't given resources and attention to that can probably be five steps before someone even consider an abortion. And I know it's case by case. And so anyway, I was a, a little bit uh, kind of taken aback because it was so much of a, a, a division um, between folks even within the church. And so uh, for me, I know, you know, you just can't say one thing and have everybody agree. It's always going to be some pushback. Right. But I was looking at myself and asking, okay, God, how might you be challenging and broaden my perspective of what pro-life really means? Right. And I'm still working that out uh, to this day. Um, this is a judge-free zone, right? Yes, judgment-free. <laughs> judge-free zone. So I always have had this um, weird, I feel, just perspective on abortion or just tension that I felt with abortion because I felt just growing up I always felt like um, Richard you even said like um, um, the abortion was the was was so intertwined with a political party that I just mm. culturally or morally you know um, don't sign don't side up with or I don't want to fully side up with so even mm. me as an individual you know I don't agree with abortion, but because the loudest people in the room mm. um, speaking up for it, mm. um, I don't want nothing to, right. you know, be like. I don't want to be connected to them in any mm -hmm. type of way. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. You know, just yeah. um, so that's why I think just growing up, um, even even becoming a believer, I just always had like this weird tension of I don't agree with it. But I don't agree with these people, even right. even in their stance against abortion, right, <laughs> you know. So right. I don't even want to stand mm -hmm. with them. And so even when it was overturned, I still felt this this weird tension of even just me being realistic and say, okay, I'm a Christian. I know what I believe, but we don't live live in a Christian nation. And I really began to process for the first time, okay, I, I vote from my beliefs as a Christian, but we are in a country that isn't Christian, that does, um, you know, um, celebrate everyone's freedom. And I really began for the first time to process just ethically and even like, like morally and biblically, like like what are my expectations for the world and law versus what are the church's expectations, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I am. So y'all, I know I'm asking questions, but I'm also a part of the discussion, so just so nobody's Good. confused. Um, we want to hear from you. I did not want to be a part of the conversation, but I'm going to go ahead and, and share my thoughts. So I grew up in the black church as well, and we just did not talk about it. Mm. Like, when I tell you nobody talked about abortion, <laughs> like, it was just not a, dis a part of the discussion, like, at all. Wow. Um, and then I guess as I got older, 
I got to kind of see how it seemed like the Republican Party was always talking about abortion. And I know that, like, in my circles, it was just like, oh, you know, they're not pro-life, they're pro-birth. You know, this is about controlling women. Mm. Um, And for me, it was like, I could definitely see how they're pro-birth and not pro-life when you look at the way they talk about, you know, um, people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I shouldn't have to pay taxes for this and that. Mm. And just the, um, some of the ignorance that came (laughs) from that party, honestly, in in my opinion. Um, around um, or just like the blind eye turned towards institutional racism Mm -hmm. and not understanding that like a lot of uh, poor black and brown people are that way because of let me just say black people because I'm black Um, (laughs) a lot of black people uh, it's just like let's forget about history so let's not talk about slavery. Let's not talk about Jim Crow. Let's just jump to where we are right now, and they need to pull themselves up. So it's just like, no, you're not pro-life. Um, and so I think growing up, it was, again, kind of what Sergi is saying, like, I don't want to align myself with people that are okay with the oppression of me. Right. And so I think um, it's just interesting to hear from some of my white brothers and sisters how much abortion was talked about. Yeah. Because I'm just like, this is just not something that I really thought about until college. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I said that to say, say my background, um, to say that when I heard about the decision, I was not happy. Okay? And I'm mm. going to explain that as a Christian because I know people are just like, oh, our worship leader was not happy. I wasn't. Um, I was very scared. Um, and I think I thought more about... Um, after working with kids, like, what happens for, you know, the teenager that did not consent to sex, right, um, and was raped? Because um, I gave y'all that that uh, disclaimer. So what happens to that child that was raped by her uncle um, and has been being abused for a long time, and she's 12, and she's pregnant? Like, what do we say to that child? Um, what do we say to even a 16-year-old that it was consensual but has no support, no money, um, she wants to have a job, she may or may not have mater- uh, maternity leave, mm-hmm. um, there's no help for child care for her, you know, just, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I was just nervous about all of it um, because we don't have an America... We don't take care of our mothers. We definitely don't care, take care of our poor mothers. Mm. And we don't take care of our black mothers. Now, I'm saying this also as somebody who was 13 weeks pregnant. And I'm nervous, thank Woo-hoo! you. But with that brings like me being nervous because I know the maternal death rate for black women is much higher mm. than mm. white women yeah. and already thinking about when I have give birth how much my husband and I will have to advocate for me right. having this child so anyway it was very nuanced as a black woman um, hearing the news and it was interesting too to see a lot of people on my feed just like so angry yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm not angry, I'm nervous, you know what I mean? And then like, am I betraying my black sisters <laughs> by right, right. 
not being so angry about it, but just being kind of like, what's going to happen? I think it was kind of the fear of the unknown for me. So that's where all of us are coming from. Um, And I hope that kind of gives you guys a peek into our humanity as we go into this discussion. Um, But let's go to the Bible. In the unknown, in the... um, celebrations and the sadness and all the things we should definitely look to the word of God. So what does the Bible say about the value of life and the physical body? Yeah, I mean, I think we've already um, pointed to it. You know, there is no life that doesn't originate with God. Um, And so, you know, babies don't just happen. they are all, um, you know, rooted and woven, as David said, uh, by God Himself, and um, and in patterned after His image. Mm-hmm. So, you know, red, yellow, black, and white. Uh, <laughs> precious <laughs> yeah, in His sight. Precious in His sight, but with dignity. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what the scriptures say. And, and, and that's, I don't know if I'm, I don't want to take us down a rabbit trail, but um, but I think that is where we're coming from. And I think how this discussion around this table with white and black brothers and sisters with two radically different, ex- well, maybe not radically, but well, maybe radically mm-hmm. different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, radically. <laughs> yeah, radically. Uh, you know, uh, that's what... You know, we've got to, I think as a white church, um, and therefore Republican um, believers, <laughs> uh, have got to admit that we have been very short-sighted and we've not lived consistently with that reality, except with one political argument, mm-hmm. abortion. And um, I think if we did that, we would at least be able to have a humble conversation as opposed to a charged debate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'll say at this point. Yeah, I would say that the Bible is clear that God has um, a heart. He is uh, very mindful and um, he's invested in seeing life flourish. And I would say from the womb to the tomb, um, the time the baby is uh, conceived to the time uh, that person is is laid to rest. And we see uh, so many different examples throughout the scriptures of systems set in place uh, that is set up to preserve uh, life and also those who have been um, unjustly treated as well. Mm-hmm. So consequences is, consequences for those individuals uh, as well, and so uh, just to add to what's already been said, that God is very invested in life so much so He He wants that to be modeled and, and, and demonstrated in the way we treat one another mm-hmm. as well. Um, we think about what is the greatest command: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. You see, that's a whole being, mm-hmm. body and soul, and then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's the very heart of God is that we will love each other. And I know it's a lot of implications how we, you know, how we do that. But 
that's that's the core. That's where we start. Yeah. Let the conversation start with love. Let it be motivated by love, and let the end be love for God's glory. Amen. And I think um, one thing that you brought out is um, loving God with our bodies. Like God created us not as just spiritual beings, but as physical beings, and values that. Um, in Genesis 1 where it says he made them in the image of God, male and female, he created them. God created us to be whole people. And so we need to love um, the physical parts of people and the spiritual. I know, I think I would often hear, um, what is it? I I have a body, but I am a soul, mm-hmm. which mm. is not true. Like I am a soul and I am a body. God yeah. created me um, and values the physical part of me. Uh, I've heard it said, we are ensouled bodies and embodied souls. And so like we cannot take those apart. So as we think about um, the women who are facing this issue and the unborn, like are they a human being? Um, The value that God gives to life in the physical body, I think has a lot to speak into this. Yeah. What does the Bible say about the dignity of women? Because um, that is also something I've, you know, heard a lot. It's like, oh, this is an attack on women. You know, all the, like, how do, you, how do you guys look at that? Yeah, so we'll probably hit a little bit more on this as we progress in our conversation, just particularly de- dealing with uh, the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... God heart, we look at the beginning, again, we see God created man first, but he created uh, Eve. He took Adam's rib and he created a whole person. But yet, even in the beginning, there was equal value, equal Mm -hmm. dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, the creation order, Adam was first, Eve was second, but in God's eyes, they both uh, were equal and value equal in worth, equal in dignity. Mm-hmm. However, because of sin has uh, distorted uh, even how we view the order of creation and even how we view God's word as how we're supposed to relate to one another, I believe in even our culture. Uh, we see uh, women become, you know, unfortunately we hear, uh, you know, I heard comments like, oh, she has uh, childbearing hips, you know, only, mm-hmm just domestic, you know, reasons, uh, sexualized, overly sexualized, um, and just used for um, people's uh, selfishness to gratify their own desires. But then we also see the scriptures. We look at the life of Jesus. Yes. How he, in so many different instances, he he was restoring dignity to women, mm-hmm. it's particularly in the culture. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about thousands of years ago. We ain't talking about 2022, which is word still yep. speaks to, obviously, uh, the present. Yep. But even in a time by which women were expected to behave a certain way, they were mm-hmm. they were uh, put in a social, uh, a, a particular social class, Jesus was destroying all of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what looked very inappropriate, his interactions with them, one-on-one conversations, mm-hmm. we see uh, women, uh, Pastor Richards preached on this a couple weeks ago, untying their hair and crying at his feet. Mm. Uh, we see women who were uh, in his circle uh, of, of uh 
of disciples, the greatest circle of disciples. We see um, women giving this news, this charge at the tomb to go and tell the yes. disciples that the mm -hmm. that the the, the mm -hmm. king is risen. We the see first ones, yeah. the first ones. We see uh, the woman who had the the bloody discharge for years, and no physician yeah. can fix right. can 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 cure her. But she touched Jesus' garment. He turned around and said, who touched wow. me? That was an invitation. That was an That's intimate right. invitation for, mm -hmm. for her to come into his presence. So all of these things we see the man, the, the man's man, if you will, the perfect man's man, mm -hmm. um, restoring his dignity to women. However, mm -hmm. we still live in a time by which uh, women have been, um, unfortunately, just abused. Their, mm -hmm. their value and their worth have been uh, minimize, yeah. and this that's probably one of the biggest mm -hmm. injustices of them all. And to Adriana's point, um, I'm married to a black woman with three uh, black children, and unfortunately, our society uh, doesn't see my wife, my beautiful black wife, the same as I see my beautiful black wife. And mm -hmm. so, as mm -hmm. God advocates for all women. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I have embodied myself, that I would advocate for all, all women and especially advocating for my wife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. so good. Um, another New Testament example I think of is when husbands are called to love and consider their wives over their own bodies, mm -hmm. like how countercultural yeah. that was at the time mm -hmm. and at this time, um, <laughs> yeah. to love your wife um, over your own body and to sacrifice for her. Um, and then, all, yeah, like you said, all the examples of Jesus, the way he treated women, just brings such dignity and worth. Um, another thing I think about is that God did create women in a special way to carry out a special task. Like, Adriana, you and I can do something that the rest of them cannot do. Yeah. And I think that brings a lot of dignity and worth mm -hmm. to who God created us to be, yeah. that we can bear children mm -hmm. and grow human. I was to say, you're growing a human being. Yeah. Like, no one else, you know, the men cannot do that. And I think that really shows to the dignity and worth that God gave um, women's bodies. Yeah, for sure. That's so good. So, yeah, we can't talk about this without talking about the fall. Like, Artez, you, you, you started talking about it, but unfortunately we do not live, you know, in a world where sin has not touched everything, <laughs> right? right? And so how has the fall impacted sex, birth, and our families? Because mm. sin has touched everything. Well, I can tell you from experience it's made birth hard. <laughs> Oh, you know, I'm Adrian. so scared. <laughs> Just like being, like you're growing a human being, it's hard. I mean, yeah, birth so hard. I'm so scared. But it's wonderful. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's it's just, yeah, the fall has definitely affected the way yeah. that we. I mean, like even thinking about the fact that we saying how has the fall impacted abortion. We are talking about abortion because of the fall. Right. You know, yeah. just even thinking about exactly. um, the wow. mis the misunderstanding of even our bodies and and the misunderstanding of uh, of sexuality. You know, mm -hmm. it's funny. Hillary really highlighted the point that we aren't just spirit, but we are bodies. I'm mm -hmm. reading through First Corinthians just in my um, private time, and that's the first thing that I think I noticed for the first time. Paul is is connecting the spirit and the body um, all throughout the book. Mm -hmm. He's saying, hey, y'all, 
y'all are doing some sexually immoral stuff. Like, you're not just having sex. Like, when you sleep with a prostitute, like, you, your bodies are uniting, right. you know? And so even, even as we think about, um, even not to his point of how we can just, sex is so casual and so mm-hmm. trivial yeah. to, yeah. we don't understand the, the, the implications. Um, and even thinking about the fall, Biblically speaking, the first thing we saw was what they went to go um, hide themselves and put on fig mm-hmm. leaves. Yeah. And I even just think about abortion. Um, yeah. Of course, there are so many different cases, but a large part, a large reason for abortion is like the shame. Yeah. Mm. The fig leaves. Man, and let man, me cover man, this man. up. Let me go um, just take this pill or let me go just, right. you know, cover myself up so I don't have to deal with the consequences. But even like for the flip side, for people who, who Adriana, to your point of like, I mean, I'm worried about the person, the mother who is sick and can't get an abortion. So now her life is at risk. Not, not just even thinking about the fall too, even leads to our physical bodies, right. you know what I'm saying, being sick. So right, right. Um, man, we can't talk about this conversation without realizing how sin has impacted all of our hearts in so many different ways. Right. And yeah. all of our bodies. And our bodies, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Heart and body healing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that is, um, you know, as I listen to the debate, and again, I, you know, a bigger, a big issue in all of this is how detrimental it is to come at this as Christians through politics and mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. state as opposed to through the scriptures in a united community. Mm. where we're listening to each other because, um, yeah, it's, it's just important that we come with humility. You know, the way that we can be so just, you know, I guess joyful about a law being changed is because we've never had to experience, when I say we, white, you know, um, believers for the most part, have not had to experience that kind of um, poverty and oppression and, and just not, you know, being pushed to the side. I guess that's probably a better way to say it. But if you look at how, you know, the fall has impacted us, I think that if we would all agree that we are all sexually broken, <laughs> that it doesn't matter what political party, what race, what socioeconomic, you know, uh, class you're in, mm-hmm. we are broken and we are guilty mm-hmm. before God. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody standing before God with clean hands and clean eyes when it comes to uh, yeah. this topic of sex and, um, you know, so... So yeah, so that is, uh, if we would just admit that, we're gonna have a calmer discussion. Go ahead. <laughs> and man, the church, even thinking about the fall, the church has to take responsibility. And even, as I think, Artez, you said about, if you get pregnant, your life is over. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I didn't right. hear that message in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, wow. I heard that wow, message wow. in the church. Like, yeah. like that was the sex talk I got. Like, man, you, hey, man, you get a girl pregnant, your life over. Mm-hmm. So even thinking about the message that a large pro-life, pro-choice, whatever side you own, yeah. the church has preached a false word 
um, in hopes to keep kids sexually pure, that has that we can say led to even many abortions. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. my life is over. Yeah, and I think also like the appearance, like the church saying like. Don't come back with a baby bump when you go to college. Don't come back back with a baby bump instead of saying, like, be pure. <laughs> like, right, right, right. The command is not to not get pregnant. There are ways to not get pregnant, right? The command is to, you know, honor God in your body. That's right. But if we're so worried about appearances, then what are we telling our young people, you know? Um, yeah, just wanted to insert that. That's Richard, true. were you going to say something else? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, can I just add one more? Yes, Artez. You know, the question, how, how has the fall impacted our families? It's already been said that there's nothing on earth that hasn't been tainted or corrupted by the fall. We look at just different systems, right? Even the best systems have been tainted by the fall, but even certain systems have been set up to really uh, disrupt, you know, healthy generation generations, if that makes sense. And so just how corrupt systems put certain things in certain neighborhoods or deprive certain uh, people groups, mm -hmm. uh, mostly uh, low income, you know, uh, black and brown people, they deprive certain resources from certain people, which lead them almost in despair. Mm -hmm. And and to your point too, G, which we'll probably cover later, that's a that's a prime opportunity for the church to come in and do what God has been telling us to do from the beginning. Right. And so I would say the fall has definitely impacted families, but we look at the systems that have been set in place that almost make it dang near impossible for people to seek help seek certain resources, be it counseling. So I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about putting feet to this stuff, but it, it definitely has affected those things as well. Yeah. All right. So, yes, we understand, you know, the value of life. We understand that sin has basically infected all parts of our sexuality and birth and families and bodies. Um, how does the grace, love, and forgiveness of God come into play? How does redemption come into play in this fallen world? My, my. Uh, so much can be said. We serve a God who pedicures. Oh, my <laughs> God. We serve a oh God who God. washes feet. I I'm going to let y'all soak on that before I... Yeah, y'all go listen to last week's... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll bring us to uh, chapter 13 of John. Um where Jesus says, a new command I give you, that you have love for one another. Do unto each other what I've done for you. Um, yeah. And by this, the world will know that you're my disciples, not how you vote, not what your stance is on certain issues, but how you love each other. And, and every sin is a failure of love. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, some people might be listening to this saying, what, you're not, you need to be stronger, you need to be, and, and what the church has missed in this, love doesn't mean giving in. <laughs> mm -hmm. Love means laying your life down for somebody. And you're not pro-life just because you walked into a booth and flipped a switch on a candidate. Um, you're pro-life if you're my, my. in the streets. I mean, meeting that 16-year-old girl, you yeah. know. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was in a very pro-life church when Rachel and I got pregnant at 18 out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a whole lot of people coming. I didn't see all those pro-life people lining up uh, mm -hmm. to help us. In fact, we felt shamed and rejected. Mm -hmm. uh, not by all, you know, some definitely, and I'm still friends to this day. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think the pro-life community really needs to see, has the gospel really gone deep in our own lives and souls to, mm -hmm. to where our eyes are open to the struggles of my neighbor? Yeah. And am I willing to do more than picket on Poplar or vote a certain way? Mm. Am I willing to really, and I'm not saying all pro-life people are disengaged. Yeah. I mean, there are pro-life people, you know, but to really be pro-life, what Jesus is saying is you got to die for your neighbor. Yeah. And so it's not be pro-life and then say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, you got all this government help out there. What's your problem? It's, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you offload your burden onto me. You got, you're not walking alone and I'm gonna guarantee you you're not gonna walk alone because I'm gonna walk with you. Yeah. Um, I think too, you mentioned earlier, like we are all broken. Um, when we talk about the grace and redemption, I think sometimes we put certain sins as being less um, oh, able to be healed by God's grace. Right. Uh, I think abortion is one of them, sexual sins growing up um, just in the purity culture, thinking like there are certain things that you cannot come back from. And yet you can't, like yeah. God's grace, uh, we are all broken. We are all, in some way, um, sin against a holy God. And if we say there are certain things that you can't come back from, the shame that yeah. we put on people who um, are pregnant or who have had an abortion right. or, you know, have not been sexually pure, yeah. um, we need to teach God's good design, but we also need to teach God's grace. Amen. And Amen. I think sometimes... Um, we limit what God's grace can do mm. by the way we treat people um, who struggle with certain sins. I mean, as you were just talking, I just get the visual picture of the prodigal son coming home, mm. you know, full of shame, ready to, you know, give his speech. And he was greeted by the most gracious, loving, forgiving father. Um, yeah. And I just think about, you know, everything you just said, Hillary, about how we do have these cultural sins that we like, ah, uh, yeah, you gonna always, like, that's gonna always be held against you because we really don't understand God's grace. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the work of every believer to daily um, swim in his grace more and mm -hmm. to experience it for ourselves and, and believe it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. Yeah. I did not come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. And he didn't say any, he, what he was saying is I only came for the sinner. So, <laughs> I mean, if you're in the Jesus camp, it's because he's for sinners, yeah. not because you were righteous. Yeah. He's made you righteous, but you didn't make yourself righteous. Yeah. So his grace is abundant and overflowing to sinners. And that is the message that draws all of us um, to mm -hmm. him. 
And his forgiveness is a sea of endless grace. Amen. Amen. We, the church, we just, we got to be cautious of allowing policies to become bigger than God's grace. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, y'all. There is really no good time to pause a discussion like this, but we are over time for today. So I invite you back in a couple of weeks for part two of our discussion. In the meantime, we do want you to know that we are here for you, ready to walk alongside you. If you're struggling with this topic, if you have any frustrations or even shame and guilt around it, we invite you to reach out to us. So if you're a woman and you need to talk more about this, please email Hillary at downtownchurch.com. We have women that are ready to walk with you in this. Also, if you're a man and you need to talk more about this, please email Sir Gregory at sirgregory at downtownchurch.com. And just a reminder, you know, we're figuring this out together. So if you are upset or have any suggestions for us, we are open to listen. So feel free to reach out to any of those email addresses I just named or any of us personally. Feel free to talk to us. All right, y'all. See you in a couple of weeks for part two.